Welcome to the 50th, yes, the 50th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will talk about Major League Baseball and check in with our NBA playoff predictions. So let's jump right in with a look at Major League Baseball, starting as always with the National League West, Patrick. In the NL West, we have the San Francisco Giants at the top at 38 and 23. The Dodgers in second place at 37 and 25, one and a half games back. The San Diego Padres at 37 and 27 in third, two and a half games back. The Rockies at 25 and 38, 14 games back in fourth. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, 19 games back at 20 and 43. Uh, I think it's safe to say I will guarantee that they don't win this division. This is the only team that I will say right ahead. I will guarantee this is the first time I'll do this this season. I guarantee that that team cannot win this division. Uh, probably could have done it at the beginning of the season, but you, you, can, you don't want to be that rude to, to teams. But at this point, 20-43, and 43, you're trying to climb a pretty tall mountain considering the Dodgers already went through probably what will be their worst stretch of the season, and they're still 12 games above 500, and they're not even in the lead of the division. They got no chance. Uh, in Dodgers news, Tony Gonsolin returned, and it looks like the Dodgers are just generally getting healthy and playing well at the right time. Uh, at least it seems, as they're on a three-game winning streak right now, although I will say the the lack of run support for the pitching at Atlanta was not very good from the Dodgers. However, again, this week is what's important, and they've gotten enough run support. Well, I wouldn't say two solo home runs is necessarily enough run support, but hey, if you win the game, you win the game. Um, You're talking yeah, about Do- in their win over the Pirates. Yes, uh, in one of the wins over the Pirates, one of the three. But... Um, yeah, now the Dodgers have the Rangers. They actually only have three teams above 500 left on the schedule before the All-Star break, although they are all in a row for some reason. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit of a hard... It's a hard stretch, but we'll, I think the Dodgers will be able to get through... Get through... Get, or get to that stretch on a lot of wins in a row and then get through that stretch pretty well themselves and then end it with some more easy games before the All-Star break, and then we'll have to see what happens after the All-Star break. Uh, but in the rest of the division, the Padres are three and seven in their last ten, while San Francisco is seven and three. So the Giants are playing better um, than anybody else in the division at the moment. And some of that seven and three in the last ten games, I think that does include the very end of the series against the Dodgers um, a few weeks ago, which at this point is irrelevant. But uh, probably in the last ten games, it probably includes at least one of those games. Um, but San Diego really having some trouble. They've been playing the Mets and the Cubs a lot, and I think they've actually been alternating playing only those two teams for the last week and a half. And it hasn't been going well for them. They're playing some quality teams, and the quality teams are outperforming them. Uh, even with two extra games played than the Dodgers, they're tied in the win column and two games back in the loss column. And as I always say, you can't add what you can't uh, you can't take away losses. You can only add wins. So. You never want to be behind in the loss column. That's the worst place to be behind. But for now, the Giants are in the lead. I would say I still have the Dodgers winning this division. I don't know why you wouldn't. I don't know why you wouldn't win. It's been eight years since the last time they didn't win it. And although I will say San Francisco did win two World Series while the Dodgers were on their division winning streak. So not necessarily an indicator of what's going to happen in the postseason. But I do think that you can count on the Dodgers to win this division, especially now that they're getting back healthy again. Uh, and the Padres are really slumping, not not necessarily for the first time this season either. 
Yeah, uh, Dodgers, like you said, getting healthy. Schedule helping them a little bit, which will even out over time. And also uh, the Giants have surf, uh, suffered their first significant injury of the season, whereas the Dodgers have been plagued by injuries. San Francisco, Evan Longoria, I believe, is out. Yeah. Don't I don't know exactly for how long, but four to six weeks yeah. So let's see, let's see how they weather that storm and maybe some more difficult to, of a schedule. This division is gonna come down to the last month this month of the season. Uh, even if the Padres are languishing, let's say in third place, they have so many of their final games in the final month of the season against both the Dodgers and the Giants. The other two teams don't play each other uh, that much; they play one or the other. But the Padres have a heavy, I think, 19 games in like the final. Let's call it five weeks of the season or within the division for the Padres. So we're going to be talking about this division right up until the end, unless one team falls off drastically uh, from here on out. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you need more than one team to fall off because it's really a three-team race. But I think one thing that you could that, that could happen is, look, we forget that before the 5-15 and 15 stretch, the Dodgers were up by five games in this division because they started the season 13-2. and two. Uh, and it looked like they weren't going to be caught, and it looked like only San Diego, if the Dodgers started slumping, could catch them. Then all of a sudden the Giants started playing well, but it, it, it was still a very interesting, uh, it was still a very interesting start to the season, or middle of the start of the season, you could say. Uh, but also would like to mention that the Dodgers are tied for the best run differential in the league with the White Sox at plus 89, which is a very, very good run differential. And the White Sox are only a half game back of the best record in baseball. Uh, although the Giants actually have that best record, tied with Tampa Bay, but they have a run differential that's 15 worse than the Dodgers. So probably indicates, again, that the Dodgers will get back up there because in that 5-15 and 15 stretch, a lot of the reason why they are this high in run differential is most of those losses were by one run. Or um, and in extra and, innings, and, yeah. Or in extra innings. And now they're... They're starting to, A, win those one-run games, and B, not have as many as they're healthy, and now they're beating teams by a lot. I know you love that run differential, and I think it is a great predictor of success. It would be interesting if anybody has a uh, uh, has a non-extra inning. So first nine innings run differential. I bet the Dodgers statistic would be even more significant. Anything else uh, about the NL West before we move to the Central? You want to talk about the Diamondbacks anymore? No? Let's move to the to the NL Central. Oh, and sorry for the Ro- sorry to the Rockies for not talking about you at all, but at least I didn't say you're guaranteed to miss the playoffs already. as we're only 60 games in the season, just take that as a take that take that as a compliment. All right, the Central in the National League. You have the Chicago Cubs at number 1. Now, I'm not doing what we normally do where we don't include the day game. I figured why not? It's a little easier to just include it. Uh, the Cubs won today against the Cardinals to get them a half-game advantage over the Brewers at 36-27. and 27. They were tied going into the day. Uh, the Cubs are really hot right now. Uh, the Brewers, same thing for them. They are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, uh, and they are 35-27, and 27, as I mentioned, a half-game behind Chicago. St. Louis on the complete opposite end of the spectrum at 32-31, and 2-8 and eight in their last 10, compared to the Cubs' three-game winning streaks, three-game winning streak and 6-4, and four. And the Brewers eight and eight and two, as I just discussed. Uh, Cincinnati is at twenty nine and thirty one, so actually even with St. Louis in the loss column, uh, and they are seven three seven and three in their last ten games. So they're not even doing that bad either. Uh, but then you have Pittsburgh at the bottom, who ran into the Dodgers, who were angry after losing the series to the Braves, and they have now lost four in a row. They're three and seven in their last ten. Uh, at last place in this division, twenty three and thirty eight. Not much of a chance for them to come back from that. Uh, and I will say that they also host the title of the worst run differential in the league by 10 runs. 
which isn't a very good thing, but it's an accolade nonetheless, so I still have to mention it. Um, the Cubs are plus 36 on the season. The Brewers are plus one, which is not very good for a team eight above, kind of similar to the Oakland A's. Um, and then the St. Louis Cardinals, even at one game above 500, have a minus 24 run differential. It's crazy. In, in this loss streak, it's really skyrocketed because I do remember that they were uh, in the plus run differential territory before this streak started. So I don't know exactly what happened. I can't tell you that I can recall how many they won or lost by in all of their games this week, but it must have been a lot because that run differential has gone significantly down. But again, it will still be those top three at the end. And maybe the Reds, just because of how good Jesse Winker and, and Nick Castellanos are, maybe they could make it a little bit interesting if some of these teams start to fall off and they play very, very well. But they would have to play at their peak and hope that those other teams don't. Okay, let's move over to the National League East. In the NL East, you have the New York Mets at the top at 30-24. and 24, uh, Actually kind of running away with his division right now. Um even with less, even with seven less games played than the second place team, they have the same amount of wins, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, they have a plus seventeen run differential compared to second place Philadelphia's minus thirteen. Uh, Philadelphia's thirty in thirty one, three and a half games back. Atlanta is twenty nine and thirty one, four games back. Uh, and the Marlins and Nationals are both seven games back. The Marlins at twenty seven and thirty five, and the Nationals at twenty five and thirty three. Uh, all these teams incredibly average in their last 10 games, except for the Marlins, who are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. The other ones are all 5-5, five 6-4, and 4-6, five, and, four, four and six, so not really worth mentioning much there. Although I will say, I do have the Mets in my weekend predictions beating the Padres, and currently that game, the first game of that series, is in progress. Uh, and Jacob deGrom has the current game-winning RBI, for the, at, at least for now, uh, which is... Pretty crazy considering how good he is as a pitcher that he still has to get his own run support. But look, he will take his .62 ERA all the way home and keep laughing about it. Uh, and let's just say I could call the Cy Young race today, but I'm not going to do that just because I, he could get so he could get some runs dinged off him off a good team if maybe if he's well, he could get injured bit. too, or he could, and he already has been injured this season. So if he gets another little minor injury. Um, he might not necessarily not be qualified, but it might be a little bit of a deterrent to voters to vote for him. But for now, I would say Jacob DeGrom is in, is in really in full position for the Cy Young race right now. And overall in this division, the Mets are, as a team, in, in full position. They look like they're going to win this division. Um, the Braves not looking like they can turn it around, even after uh, a, a series win over the Dodgers, the defending champs who were playing pretty well. They're now on a two-game losing streak this week, and again, they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10, so uh, it's very odd because it, it just feels like we could keep saying this team has too much talent to finish under 500 at the end of the season, but it is possible. It's not like it's mathematically impossible. I mean, it, it can happen, and frankly, it is kind of turning that way at this point because they are in some, they have a lot of guys in slumps, and when one guy isn't in a slump, the other guy is, and... It just feels like they can't get their roster to all perform at the same time. They can't get the big hit when they need it. 
Sloppy uh, defense. I was about to say they get, they lost the game to the Dodgers while giving up while only giving up four hits, but they gave up nine runs, which is a lot, pretty a lot, much impossible to do. A lot of walks a mixed in with some bad but defense. Also four errors. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Mets or the Mets are the Mets are in good position, especially with the Braves playing this badly. Although I will say the Phillies look like they might be finding a way to make this a little bit closer too. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but for now, I'll say the Mets are are going to win this division, and I'll stick with that pick. Yeah, for as bad as the Braves have played to only be four back at this stage, they're they're probably pretty lucky. Not too bad. Also, also the other news here today, uh, right before the podcast, dealing a major blow to the Nationals, who uh, who are in last place, seven games back. But it looks like Scherzer's hurt. We don't know for how long, but he left the game after twelve pitches um, against uh, against the Giants today. Help maybe help the Giants. We'll monitor that and see how that impacts the race in the long run. Although I don't think I don't think they're in this race at all. No, but that I mean that might be the death knell to their to their chances. Yes, that's true. Uh, all right, well let's move over to the American League and let's start out west again. The American League West. The Oakland A's are thirty-seven and twenty-seven at the top of the division. The Houston Astros are at thirty-five and twenty-seven, a game back in second place. The Mariners are six games back at thirty-one and thirty-three. The Angels are in fourth at 30 and 32, uh, also six games back. And the Rangers are in last, pretty uh, pretty, pretty safe in last, so that's not where you want to be. But look, they, they're, they have their position locked up. Firmly ensconced in yeah, last. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, they, have, they are 12 and a half games back uh, at 24 and 39. They are 2 and 8 in their last 10, although they did give the Dodgers a little bit of help by winning an extra innings game against the Giants. Uh but on the other hand, you have the A's who are six and four in their last ten. The Astros are seven and three in their last ten, even with a pretty hard schedule that they've been playing. They've been playing the Blue Jays and the Red Sox a lot, so that's pretty good to turn out like that. Um, the Angels are seven and three in their last in their last ten, which is pretty good for them. And they're also on a three-game winning streak right now, which again, those are some good results. Um, the Angels have put together a roster, or at least tried to put together a roster. That should be a lot more competitive than it is right now. So I think they'll they'll be very happy that they're being uh, a lot more competitive than they have been for most of the year. Although they'd still say that they're probably pretty unsatisfied. Meanwhile, Seattle is working around the fourth worst run differential in the league to still somehow be third in this division. Uh, meanwhile, the Angels are not necessarily average, but up there near the middle kind of third of the standings in terms of run differential at minus 25 compared to Seattle's minus 58, which is pretty, pretty bad, especially for a team two games under 500. Uh, but the Angels only minus 25 right now. Look, they have a chance to make this kind of interesting. I don't think they have a chance to make it an interesting divisional race outside of the Astros and the A's, but I do think they could make it interesting in terms of a wild card race just because they have an intriguing roster and they got some great players on it. Obviously, anytime uh, there's a chance we'd like Mike Trout to be in the playoffs. Yep, would definitely like to see him play as, as much as possible. You, I, I, I know you focus on this run differential, and it's just it, it's very telling and often crazy, especially in this division. The Rangers, negative 54 run differential, yet they find themselves six and a half back of Seattle as a negative 58 run differential. Yeah. Very interesting. We'll see how that evens out over the course of the season. And then also the Rangers' uh, away record. They've, they're 9-23, which is the worst road record uh, in the American League. Yeah, although it's not as bad as the Rockies, who we talked about last week, so I'm not going to harp on it too much, but you want me to talk about the Rockies? How about your 5-24 and 24 on the road? Uh, so, I don't know what's up with that one. It, it's very odd. You'd actually... I don't know if you'd assume that they would be even home in Norway, but 
normally teams who are uh, normally teams who go to Colorado start hitting better because of the altitude there and that it's easier to hit, and then all of a sudden that most of the time results in them losing more games. So it's actually kind of strange that their home record is so good, uh, actually better than the Dodgers' home record, but their away record is so bad. Yeah, huge, uh, huge differential there. 20 and 14 at home, 5 and 24 on the road. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right, well, let's uh, move back to the American League uh, where we are going to turn our attention to the Central Division. In the AL Central, you have the, the team who is tied with the Dodgers for the best run differential in the league at the top, plus 89, the Chicago White Sox, 38-24 uh, and 24 in the season. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. This team is very, very consistent. They never get, they never have some crazy, really bad stretches. They never have some, well, they do have their really, really good stretches, but they never let themselves get, get, uh, get in too big of a slump which is really good, uh, and it's a great quality to have if you're going to try to be a division-winning contender, and uh, they are certainly that. Uh, the Indians are in second at four and a half back, uh, minus 12 run differential, which is interesting. Um, they're, yeah, they're four and a half back at 32 and 27, I should say. And the Royals are 30 and 31 in third, seven and a half back. The Tigers are 26 and 36, actually five and five in their last 10, being semi-consistent, um, uh, 12 back at 26-36, and then the Twins are 25-37, and 37, 13 games back. Uh, they still have not found their, their stride. Uh, the Twins are actually the reason why I believe that we can start to think about the Braves actually finishing the season under 500 because they it's not like the Braves have been playing awfully and they're still, they're under 500, they're not too far under 500, but... The Twins being this bad does prove that you can have a great roster and still go under 500, and the Twins are significantly under 500, 12 games to be exact. Um, same differential under 500 that the Dodgers are over 500, uh, and overall just have not having a great season for them at all. Just really, really bad for them. Meanwhile, the White Sox seem like they're going to run away with this division, uh, especially because the Twins were supposed to be their biggest competition, and they're not playing well at all. And the Indians probably their second biggest competition, and they're not—they're not maybe built to be that great, uh, and definitely not built to keep up with the White Sox at a six thirteen winning percentage. That's for sure. All right. Well, let's move over to the American League East. In this division, you have four teams who are in the race, although it, it doesn't look like it from how many games back they are in the standings. The Rays are at the top at thirty nine and twenty four. Uh, with a plus 75 run differential, that's tied for fourth best in the league, one behind third best uh, Houston, uh, and they are tied with the Giants. Uh, they're also tied with the Giants for the best record in all, or they're actually a game, a, a half game back of the Giants for the best record in baseball. Um, and then you have the Boston Red Sox in second at 38 and 25. They are one game back. Uh, they're six and four in their last 10. Uh, the Yankees are in third after getting swept by the Red Sox at 33 and 30. They are six games back, um, and then the Blue Jays are in fourth at 31 and 29, six and a half games back. And although I said there's four teams in the race, you could say that the Yankees and the Blue Jays are are, are starting to get separated from the pack a little bit, uh, which is in a bad way. Although yeah. I will say, um, but. I don't, I don't necessarily think you can exclude either of them just because you know how good their rosters are. Maybe you could say the Blue Jays, this is exactly what you'd expect from their team, uh, whereas the Yankees, you would say, are still underperforming. 
Uh, but the Red Sox and the Rays are probably overperforming a little bit. So if everybody came down to their talent level, you'd probably end up with the Yankees making this interesting by the end of the year. And the Blue Jays sticking around somewhere, but not necessarily winning the division. And then the Orioles, who I haven't mentioned yet, at 16 games back, 22 and 39. They will probably stay there right at the bottom. Uh, I don't expect too much out of them, and I don't think it's very fair to expect anything out of them. Uh, just based on how the roster is built and based on the fact that you look at the rest of their division... Frankly, you shouldn't be trying to win when you got that much, when you got that much firepower in the rest of the division. It won't turn out well for you. Listen, but uh, you're not going to guarantee the Orioles don't win the division. They're 16 back, and you know you you said that Arizona is dead. They're they're 19 back. You want to let me just do that on a different episode? All we right, got six divisions right, we'll to, wait till to next. We'll, wait we'll, till next week. We'll do it in a, we'll do it in a sequence. I will say I'll probably be calling the AL Central the last because. Uh, the Twins are the worst team in the division, and yet they actually are one of the more talented teams in baseball. So okay, fair, probably fair point. wait to call that one for a while, but maybe maybe I'll call the AL East next week. Okay, perfect. Uh, anything else to, to talk about in the AL East before we wrap it up? All right, well, that wraps up our look back at Major League Baseball. Let's turn our attention to the NBA. And the playoffs in the NBA are now in the middle of the second round. Uh, and just like we've done in the past, we're going to give each other a chance to uh, – have a mulligan by maybe revising one of our predictions for the current NBA playoff series uh, like we did in the first round. So, Patrick, let's start in the East. In the East, we have Philadelphia and Atlanta. The series is tied at 1-1, to although Philly has a 22-point lead in the fourth quarter uh, as we speak. So, I'm not going to call that game early like I'm calling MLB Division 60 games into a season, but uh, maybe we'll say it's pretty likely that Philly wins this game. Um I had Philadelphia in six games, and again, these were posted on our website. We did not save them on the podcast because uh, they were starting at different times, and it was a little bit odd to predict a series and then not predict the other three and then predict two of them and then one of them on a different week. So we felt like we weren't going to do that. Uh, so instead, um, we're, I, I had Philadelphia in six games. We posted this on the website, and you had Philadelphia in seven games. I don't think either of us are going to change that one, unless you might want to change the number of games. Well, yeah, I might change it to Philly in five, but we'll get back to Well, let's go through the whole list. Uh, we have Brooklyn against Milwaukee. Brooklyn leads two to one. I have Brooklyn in seven. You have Brooklyn in six. I would maybe change the amount of games had we not have had the last series in the West, but we'll get to that soon. Uh, but yeah, you want to keep? You want to move on for? Let's now keep moving on. I might change the number of games. I All think right. you're going to hear a familiar pattern here. All right. <laughs> Uh, the Jazz versus the Clippers, I had Utah in seven, you had Utah in six, you were more bold, picking, uh, I picked every single series in seven games except for Philly, and then you picked ever, and then you picked two and two, so uh, you were a little uh, more bold than I was, uh, so I had Utah in seven, you had Utah in six, again, probably going to wait, right, uh, but in the last series, now I already know I'm changing this one, the Suns against the Nuggets, I had the Nuggets in seven, you had Phoenix in seven. Uh, the Nuggets aren't winning this series, so I'm going to go ahead and change that. I'll say the Suns in six. Uh, I don't, I'll say I can give the Nuggets maybe a, a home game or two, uh, and then maybe they pull out one on the road, and if they don't pull out one on the road, then maybe they pull out two of the three at home. But I think Phoenix will be able to close it out eventually. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that six games is a fair estimate, and that's what I'm going to go with. Or changing it to the Suns. Well, I'm certainly not changing any of my picks since since everybody I picked looks like they're going to win the series and maybe more easily than I thought. So, I guess my choice is to, you know, bring it down instead from Philly in seven or Phoenix in seven. And since 
Although you could, I mean, I would say there might be a good argument that Brooklyn is the most likely to win their series in five games. Okay, so but, but I'd be off, I'd be be off by there. one game. Big deal. That's the best I could That's improve it true. to, right? So true. I'm only going to miss that one by one at, at the max. Um, and Phoenix, yeah, I mean, uh, let's do um, uh, let's do Phoenix. I'll be bold. How about that? Maybe so I can be wrong about a prediction. Okay. I'll move it to Phoenix in five. That is that is very very bold. That that is the definition of bold right there. Um, although as bold as it sounds, I, I don't entirely think that you're going to be wrong about that. I'm going to be uh, dead on. I, I mean, I told you, I said it myself. I'm only picking them in six because I, I I'm willing to give the Nuggets a few games, and since I'm changing it, I don't want to change it and look like an idiot like you did last time, where you changed it to the Lakers in six and then the Phoenix won in six. So. I don't want to end up like that, so I'm going to keep it at six instead of changing it to five, just in case I'm wrong. Uh, and then I can say, well, I was right in the first place, and then I just didn't anticipate a ridiculous level of comeback. But look, I will say one thing. Even if Atlanta was in the lead in this series, I wouldn't care because Atlanta teams always choke. Uh, and now that they're down, hey, maybe they get a chance to change the fortune. Maybe Atlanta teams can't secure leads, but, they, but other teams can't hold leads against them. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I, I doubt it. Just yeah, I doubt it. Well, and, 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 and I think our picks for that series, we're talking about Philadelphia-Atlanta, I think our picks were influenced by our uncertainty over whether or not Joel Embiid would play, how much he could play, and how well he would play. And I think those concerns are out the window. So, you know, but for the fact that, that, um, that Phoenix just has been completely dominant in that series, uh, my, my natural inclination would have been to, hey, if you told me Joel Embiid's going to play, let's move that up to five games. But again, I'll keep I'll keep my uh, my my bold prediction there and uh, and, and let Phil, say Philadelphia in seven. But this series ain't going more than five games. But anyway. I will I will <laughs> say I will say that we we both had very different opinions on how much he would play. I thought that he I thought he was gonna at the very most miss game one, and if they lost game one, he'd be like, I gotta come back now. Uh, and he didn't miss game one, but they still lost. Uh, now he's been playing every single game. Uh, although you you thought that there was some chance, I remember when we were talking about it, you didn't know what his status was, and then actually a day after we published it, we figured out that he was playing in game one. Yeah. Um, but Ooh. Uh, and then as again, we talk about that, he, he just got injured. He got injured, and they showed Dikembe Mutombo in the crowd. So maybe he gets hurt, and Dikembe Mutombo plays for Atlanta, and then I keep Philly in seven. Okay. Well then, <laughs> uh, don't don't quite see that one happening. Uh, hope Joel's okay here. That's a little bit of a live reaction. Yes, sometimes we do watch games while recording the podcast. Yes, that's sometimes why we mess up a little bit because we might get might be getting a little bit distracted. Um, especially me. Especially you. Uh, sometimes we watch it intentionally, like when Russell Westbrook was going for the triple-double record. Sometimes it's just because, well, playoff basketball is playoff basketball. It's very entertaining to watch. <laughs> yeah, and, and let's, that's the key thing here that I think both you and I were rooting for with a little bit for our heart and our predictions that we wanted to see competitive playoff basketball. And yeah. right now it's the story is these like series it. are not competitive at all. Although I despite, will say, uh, although despite I will Atlanta say, winning that first game, there, there is one common theme in these playoffs and it's that the jazz will absolutely obliterate every single team in the overall series, but every single game will be close. They have not had a blowout game other than one game this so far, this playoffs, even though they played seven games and yet they're six and one in the playoffs. Yeah, I just the first round of the playoffs. I, I think, and again, you watch them more close than I do, partly because I work for a living. 
<laughs> I think the first round had much more exciting games than the second round so far. The second round's been kind of a disappointment. I, I, I do agree with that. I think it has been I think it has been a little uh, a little disappointing, although you look at some of the matchups and to be quite honest, uh, we said it at the beginning. Look, the East has a top three, and the worst out of the top three is playing the best out of the top three. Um, so that series, uh, I'm obviously referencing Brooklyn against Milwaukee. And when you look at Philly against Atlanta, look, we everybody said going into the postseason, whoever ends up as the one seed, no matter who they play in the 4-5 game or, or in the 4-5 series afterwards, that team's going to get crushed. Atlanta, frankly, is putting up more of a fight than I thought they would, yeah. especially if you would have told me before the playoffs that they would beat the Knicks in five and then come up. Maybe I'd say if you told me they'd beat the Knicks in five, I'd say, okay, they might be actually competitive. But I didn't even think they were going to win that series, so I definitely didn't think they could beat Philly. But again, um, yeah, you're right. It has been a little bit disappointing. Particularly because uh, it looks like we're chalk, basically. And and I would say also the, the more disappointing thing is you have these two, three matchups that people have been talking about, theorizing, uh, talking about who's going to win. I really thought Milwaukee could make this a close series. And it takes Brooklyn scoring 84 points, Kevin Durant shooting nearly 35%, for them to win a game by two points um, after hanging on to the last possession. Uh, so... That doesn't look too good for them. Um, I'm more confident in Brooklyn winning that series after that game than I have been ever, to be quite honest, because that is the worst they could play, and they still stuck in the game. Uh, so, look, they're not going to play worse than that in the rest of the series. They're going to win the series. Uh, the Suns, on the other hand, look, I would say that series could get interesting. Um, as Michael Malone said himself, it looked like the Nuggets just gave up in the second half of both games so far because... Look, that first game, it looked like we were on pace for a great series. Uh, everybody was talking about how great this series would be after it was a one-point game at the half of game one, and all of a sudden, here we are two days later talking about this series being a blowout, and you saying that Phoenix might win in five. So. Yeah, the, I mean, with the, if the Nuggets and the Clippers protect home court, then it's a different story. We'll see what happens. We do actually, there is actually... And again, by the way, the Clippers, you never know what's going on with them because they will randomly lose two games at home and then randomly find a way to win two on the road, so... They've had a weird playoff uh, playoffs so far, so we'll see what happens with them. But I would say I'm probably the most confident behind Philly and Brooklyn. I'd say I'm third most confident in the Jazz winning their series, uh, but I'm still pretty confident in that. And a little tidbit: I know this is not a breaking news channel, but uh, you may have, or you or I may have, jinxed Jacob Degrom. The reason why uh, he left the game against the Padres earlier with a lead three zero, he's got a finger injury. Oh well, that would explain. Um, yeah, I, actually, before we got on the podcast, I was remarking about how they took him out a little early in that game, uh, and then you talked about him being injured. Him being injured being the only thing that could take him about out of the Cy Young. Actually, that was me, but you, you mentioned that he was injured previously. Um, yeah, that is crazy. Two big uh, injuries like in Major League Baseball today. Yeah, those are two big injuries. Uh, pretty much, I would say... After the Dodgers have been injured this whole time, it's kind of crazy that now all these teams are getting injured. You know what? Again, we might so. need to do a later podcast. We might need to take a look. I mean, it, it might not be a coincidence that after COVID, where people weren't as active and who knows what the training regimens were and they were isolated, that we've had a rash of high-profile injuries in baseball. We've had a rash of high-profile injuries in basketball. I was about to say, if you say baseball, you have to mention basketball. And yeah, you also no, no. have to mention the fact that the injuries were most, uh, were, were most concentrated in the teams that stayed the latest in the bubble. Yep. Uh, other than Clay Thompson's injury, which happened before the season, 
the Warriors were not injured at all this year other than Steph Curry landing on his butt and having a tailbone injury. Uh, and they were obviously not in the bubble at all last year. Atlanta hasn't been injured. They weren't in the bubble. Meanwhile, you have the Lakers, LeBron, AD, Kuzma, all at different times, but all injured at some point. Uh, even Jared Dudley was injured. Um, and then you have the Clippers who are dealing with their usual load management system. Uh, but, hey, they weren't actually there for that long. And on the other hand, now you have the Denver Nuggets with Jamal Murray out for the playoffs. By the way, that would have made this series a lot more interesting. Then you have Phoenix, who, again, wasn't very late into the bubble, and they're the least injured out of all these teams. Yeah. I don't think it is a co- I don't think it is a coincidence. I think it's definitely tied. Uh, by the way, Philadelphia got swept by Boston. Philadelphia now moving on as the one seed, pretty much pretty healthy. Whereas Boston, I describe them as an infirmary uh, because their whole team was injured going to the playoffs. So yeah, the later the teams got, and even Miami had their injury issues th- themselves. So. The later a team got into the bubble, it seems like the more they got injured this season. The longer they played um, in the bubble. Yeah, the, the smaller the layoff the they had. Uh, yeah, and, and look, I think that's, I, I definitely think it's related. And even, think, the, even the longer layoffs, teams were shorter than normal. So uh, somebody will take a look at it. We're not doctors, but I'm sure a study will be out there. We should talk about it. I mean, although they did, I, I think they all did every single time the NBA talked about their schedule, they did say that they were consulting with doctors to make sure that any of it made any sense, and that's why they had to end up shortening the season to 72 games Correct. because they could not fit in that many that many games. Uh, and again, this is normally the time that it would be... Tonight would actually probably be normally game six of the finals, I believe, on, on a Friday or Saturday night in the second week of June. So, look, we're, we're, we're way behind schedule from normal, and look, we're in the conference semis in the time that we're at least in the finals somewhere. So. Yeah, so you think about the amount of wear and tear on NBA players that took place from when did they start back in the bubble? July? Yeah. So they, they had their season. They stopped in March. They started in July. So between, from July to June. Or very, very late July. It might have been July 31st. So let's but. just say from August to June, you're really packing in almost one full regular like season two and, two, and two post-seasons. And, and again, the Lakers and the Heat had, I think, 75 days off yeah. uh, for both of them. And then even the Celtics and the Nuggets who lost in the conference finals had only about 90 days off, which is very, very short, uh, a very, very short off season for a 72 game regular season. And again, wasn't even 82, but it still, it still seems like there were a lot of injury issues this year. All right. Well, we'll take that up on another podcast, uh, but that will end this edition of the fourth and 24 podcast. Please join us for the next podcast, which will be on Monday, June 14th, where we will have our weekly look back at the latest NBA action and see the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions. In the meantime, be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his MLB power rankings on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.